Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside here, as always, is uh, LPGA professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. As I as I said to you briefly off air, I'm battening down the hatches today. They're calling for some uh, severe rain for the next uh, few days here in in uh, North uh, Florida, right down to Tampa, actually. Uh, and a little bit beyond, I think, but uh, they're calling for, for quite uh, some, some severe weather, so we'll see what happens, but uh, I'm getting my paddle and my, my swim fins out, and I'm getting ready in case I have to make a, make a dash for it, but other than that, I'm pretty good. Uh, how about yourself? Doing great, doing great. The weather in Buffalo is unbelievable. I know. I, I should be up there right now, um, but thank you, uh, everybody for joining in this morning uh, just to remind you of course uh, we are live every tuesday morning unless otherwise stated uh, on blogtalkradio.com just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf that will take you there or just type in uh, at blogtalkradio.com women of golf in the search key up top and that will take you to the main page and of course as i said we're live from 9 to 10 a.m eastern standard time uh, here on the network uh, you can also get us at uh, itunes as well go to itunes.com and in the podcast section type again women of golf and that will take you there as well. And you can listen to it us live. We'd love to have you live. And if not, uh, you can go when it's convenient for you and listen to the recorded version at, at any time. But uh, for those of you joining us live this morning, thank you very much. As always, you know, are always uh, very grateful for that. Uh, if you want to call in and speak to us or any of the guests during the live broadcast, you can do so by calling uh, area code 347-945-5855. And if you're interested in coming on the show, if you're in the golf industry, whether you're a, a club professional, teach professional, or somebody that – uh, maybe an entrepreneur that uh, in the golf industry that you feel you have something to share with our audience. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to Cindy at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, or you can also reach out to me at Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. Got a great show for you this morning. We're going to start off uh, a little bit with uh, what I like to call a good guide to playing better golf, and Cindy and I are going to discuss some of the the key components to playing better golf, for, especially for many of you amateurs out there. And then a little bit later on the broadcast, we're going to be joined by uh, LPJ Class A professional, teaching a club professional, uh, Peggy uh, Gustafson. Uh, she's up in the Anchorage, uh, Alaska area. We're going to talk a little bit about Alaska golf. Uh, I'm sure some of you probably weren't aware that you can actually play golf up in Alaska, but there's some great courses up there, uh, Anchorage being one of them. We're going to talk about that when she comes on here in a little bit. But, um, uh, Cindy, let me let me ask you, uh, lots of uh, golf left in the season, but the majors are pretty much wrapped up, particularly for the men. And uh, lots of, uh, again, interesting winners this year in that. Anything that stuck out this year um, that maybe you'd like to, to throw out there? Anything that stuck out in your mind uh, that you either saw or heard uh, through, through um, the networks? The thing that I am most um, 
grateful to witness was Dustin, jo- Dustin Johnson's ability to stay focused on the task at hand at the U.S. Open on the last round after they told him they were going to uh, inspect what he did on that, I guess it was the 12th hole, yep. and whether or not he was going to get a penalty. I, I just I will never forget that. And uh, Jordan Spieth's demise because he mm-hmm. was thinking thoughts in the middle of his backswing that he shouldn't be thinking, and then how you can make a quadruple on a par three and make a birdie on the next. It's just how fast can you recover. So those two things really stick out in my mind. I'm so um, – I, I was just so proud of Dustin Johnson to be able to stay focused on the task at hand. Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, – Sydney, I, I agree with you. There are some great, uh, great examples. I think a lot of people really don't understand um, – you know, what these professionals go through out in the golf course. Cindy, of course, uh, as most of the listeners know that have tuned in, of course, Cindy has played uh, professionally. She's not just a great uh, teacher and coach, uh, but she's also played uh, on the LPJ Tour as well as the, uh, now, of course, the Legends Tour as well. Um, so, Cindy, you, you've lived through a lot of these experiences. You've experienced uh, what many of the pros have experienced uh, out there in the golf course. So you understand their mindset and, you know, the point you, you talk about, Justin, we'll, we'll start with him for an example. Um, you know, most amateur golfers, given that same type of scenario, probably would have had their game derailed. Would you agree with that from that point? Well, they probably would have had a- even, even Rory and Jordan Spieth said they would have had their game derailed. I mean, that was such a big deal that I don't know that most people understand it. So. To me, that's why it was such a big deal, because Rory, Jordan, everybody was like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Paul Asinger was tweeting about it. I can't believe the USDA just did that. And, and again, so it was monumental what he did, because I would have gone ballistic. You know, I mean, if if the number one player in the world said that he would have wanted to kill somebody, it would not have continued (laughs) without, you know, without having it settled, then it's okay for the rest of us to want to kill somebody. You know, it's just, it was just such a big deal. So yeah. Yeah. would have screwed it up big time. Yeah. And it, and it just really goes to, to his composure. I mean, he, he kept himself composed, you know, he didn't get, uh, you know, didn't go over the top. He, he knew that he had some, some golf left to play and he knew he had to get the job done in order to win. And, and ultimately of course he did, but um, but yeah, that, that could have definitely, I mean, for far less than that, we've seen players over the years that have, you know, sort of collapsed under the pressure of, of a situation and for him to be able to keep himself composed, uh, to be able to do that. And, and certainly what Jordan did as well is, is certainly, you know, he wasn't a slouch in his uh, circumstances, of course, you know, having a, a triple and then turning around and burning the very next hole, uh, again, it, it, says a lot to the caliber of these players. I mean, their mental side, you know, everybody focuses on, you know, Cindy, we've probably heard this to death, but everybody focuses on the physical part of the game. And yes, you know, you've got to be able to, to, you know, in some way master many areas of the, of the physical game, but even more so and more important, you've got to be able to do your best to master the mental side of the game because it can really uh, wreak havoc. You know, you can recover from a bad shot physically, but sometimes mentally that's not always that easy. And, um, you know, that was a good example as well with Jordan to be able to, to bounce back and get a birdie on the very next hole. Absolutely. And that's, that's the other uh, thing, a guide to getting better at golf. 
mm-hmm. we should discuss the fact that if you really want to play at the most the, the highest level of competition, you really need to have a physical game because yep. your physical game is going to be tested when you go play. I, I, we've been doing an awful lot of playing lessons this summer, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. When we get there, I ask the students, you know, what is it that you want to work on today? Well, I'm having trouble hitting my driver. And then, well, that's not why we're doing a playing lesson. We're doing a playing lesson to teach you where to hit your driver. So if you can't hit your driver, how can you hit your driver where I want you to hit it? So it's understanding that there's a huge learning curve and skill acquisition and and that's what I would call, you know, if you if you have trouble taking a full swing, maybe you need to do a half swing, which I yeah. call a fairway finder. You know, let's just take half swings and bun it down the middle of the fairway and see what happens. If you mm-hmm. do that, you can score. But people don't want to do that. They want to take full swings and kill it and hit it out of bounds and in the water. So yeah. you have to stop <laughs> and say, you know, what's my goal here? What am I looking for? What do I want to accomplish and then go from there? Because you have to be able to hit the ball to be able to play the game. Sure, exactly. And and you're 100% right. And I think the first thing that you have to do, and Cindy, you've talked about this uh, many, many times. In fact, you you literally preach this, is you, you have to sort of ha- have an assessment done. You have to understand first up the whys. Why are you playing golf? Why are you there? Um, and you have to really understand it because that dictates – the path that you're going to take from that point forward. If you don't understand, you know, if you want to play competitive golf or if you just want to go out there and have fun, that's important to know right from the get go, because that dictates the level of commitment. If you're somebody that wants to play at a high level, a very high competitive level, uh, you can't just sort of saunter out whenever you feel like it out into the golf course or out to the practice tee. You've got to make an honest commitment. And I think that sort of stems what I would consider point number one is first off, you need to understand why you're there. And then you have to understand um, what level of commitment you're prepared to do. And that's something that really, and we'll talk about that in a few moments, but what you need to do with, with a professional, you can't just sort of go out there willy nilly and, and make up your mind. You need to understand and, and, uh, and, and work that. So as I put to, together this, the, some of these points, Cindy, uh, again, they're not necessarily in any particular order, um, but I, I thought they were worth discussing. And, and this is obviously geared primarily for the amateur golfers out there because they are the ones that struggle the most. But I sort of put together what I call this a good guide to playing better golf. And one of the things that people have to ask themselves, once they've made the, the assessment, once they understand why they're there, um, do you warm up? And it's not just a matter of, of hitting shots and things like that, but do you warm up when you go to the golf course? Do you stretch? Do you, you know, what some of the things that you do? And Cindy, I'd like to use you an example because you've played at a competitive level. Um, so you understand that, but when you go to the golf course, what's some of the first things that you do in order to prepare for whatever you're doing, whether practice or a playing uh, session? Well, definitely I stretch cause I'm a, <laughs> I'm tight. I'm not very flexible. So I definitely stretch. And, and you know what I've been doing? I hate to say this, but, um, reality is setting in, and I'm getting this flabby skin on my arms. I'm like, oh, my God, what's happened to me in the last two years? I'm withering away. And so I've been squeezing one of those balls to keep right. my forearms and my wrists, and I've got a three-pound weight in the car because i got a, a commute mm-hmm. to work, and I do that mm-hmm. with my arms just to say, you know, while I'm driving, I just do the three-pound weight. It's not like it's going to hurt me or anything. Um, right. And I definitely stretch. But the other thing I do is I practice mentally 
when I'm not hitting balls. So I'm going uh, Sunday. I have to leave to go play in the Wendy's Charity Classic in uh, Jackson, Michigan, where we raise money for adoption on the Legends Tour. And it's a pro-am, but it's the beginning of a big week next week. Uh, Next week is the Legends Tour Open Championship at Frenchwick, Indiana. And gratefully, I got in the event. I was second alternate, and a couple people withdrew, so thank you so much. I I get to play. That's the good news. The bad news is this golf course, last time I walked it, it was 22,000 steps. It's uphill, downhill, Mm. hardest golf course I've ever played in my life against the best players over 45 in the world. So, and, and I've been giving 70 golf lessons a week. So, oh, great. Mm. So you're ready to play? No, not really. You know, so <laughs> what do you do when you're not ready? I went right. out Sunday, and I played two balls. And I played two balls the whole time, and I just focused on what I was doing. I was all by myself, peaceful. It was so nice. And so I just, I was like, okay, what are we doing? What is your plan what are you thinking when you're standing over the ball? What are you feeling? What are you visualizing? You have to pay attention to what your intention is. And if you don't, you have no right to get mad at yourself. Right. Exactly. Well said. And, and I like the fact that, you, that you're you know, doing something on the way to the golf course. Obviously, you're being mindful that you're uh, in traffic, so you're, it's not like you're doing yoga positions in the car or something, but, um, <laughs> but, you, are, but you are doing that. I mean, that would be... That would be something that I think you'd have to be careful of. Um, but, um, but you are doing something. You're preparing yourself on the way to the golf course. And, and obviously, again, you're being mindful of, of those around you, uh, traffic-wise I'm referring to. But, but at the same time, you are preparing mentally before you even get to the golf course. And, and obviously, once you get there, you're going to you know, maybe do some stretches and things like that. And, and uh, most people might start off by doing a little bit of chipping. You know, one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of people is they don't allow themselves enough time before they go to a round, um, you know, whether in a competitive round or just even a fun round, is they, they sort of get their, um, you know, shoelaces barely tied, and they're, you know, having to scramble to get to the first tee. And if they're lucky, they might get a, a moment or two out in the range just to hit a few balls to see where it's going that particular day. Um, but those that are a little smarter that give themselves sufficient time – they're going to go there and they're going to work on key areas of the game. And, and I believe in, and as I'm sure you do, Cindy, that you need to practice the important stuff. If you're going to go there and, and work on things, and, and I don't mean mechanically, but you need to practice you know, things like chipping and pitching and, and obviously putting because that's where you're going to lose most of your strokes. You're not going to lose your strokes uh, hitting your drive uh, you know, off in the, in the woods. You're certainly going to lose a stroke here and there. But the majority of your strokes are going to be in your short game. And that's what I believe you need to practice the most, um, especially when you're getting ready to play. Would you agree with that, you think? Yes, I do. And, Absolutely. And is that, is that what I you mean, do definitely you... putting. Well, and you know what's funny? Again, you have to face the facts, your fears. And so the facts are I'm not going to hit it as good as I used to. The facts right. are I'm not going to hit it as long as I used to. So what are you going to do? How are you going to make pars on a golf course that's so hard and long that's not funny? You're going to have to get it up and down. So you're going to have to make a lot of 10-foot putts and in. So that's what you need to go practice inside 10 feet because you're going to have some chips that aren't going to get that close. And so, and hopefully you hit a couple of shots that are that close and you can make a couple of birdies. But it's going to be a scrambling round, and you have to face the facts and reality. And if you're not willing to do that, 
again, you have no right to get ticked off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you're right. I think a lot of people, you know, they're too, especially guys. I mean, I'll be honest, the guys are, are the biggest culprits. I think the, the ladies have a much, um, you know, better approach to things. But I think a lot of the guys, they get out there and they think, well, if I can just hit the ball further off the tee, then I'll be fine. So they practice, you know, with their driver all the time and they're getting out there. And it's good to certainly practice, but they're spending too much time worrying about the long ball and not focusing on, you know, within a hundred yards, let's say, uh, of the green. The other thing too is is developing a, a solid pre-shot routine. That is, I think, key. Cindy, I'm sure that you would agree with that as well. That having a good pre-shot routine um, before you actually hit the shot and having a, something that's consistent that you, is repeatable um, is important as well. You see, all of the good players uh, on the on all of the tours, ladies and the, and the men's tours, um, have a solid pre-shot routine. Um, again, would you agree with that as well? Absolutely. Again, you have to prepare to hit the shot. Um, a lot of times I'll just have my students, okay, walk around, walk back, let's plan the shot, where are we going? Uh, they just want to rake and hit, rake and hit, rake and hit, and then they get on the course and they can't aim. You know, they have no idea where they're aiming, and they hit the ball, and they go, well, that's not where I wanted to go. And I said, well, you never even looked up to see where you were aimed. So yeah. they're not aware. Again, their only mission is hit ball, hit ball, hit ball. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. We got to walk back and we got to plan this now. How are you comfortable walking into it? Are you going to walk into it with one hand on, with two hands on? Are you going to look at the target when you set the face down? Are you going to look down at the ball when you put the foot, you know, the face down? How are you going to set your feet? Will you be looking at the target or down at the ball? So all those things matter for you mm-hmm. to set it, to get a, a comfortable pre-shot routine that you can stick with, no matter what. So yeah, totally agree. Yeah, and and it can be you know unique. You don't have to necessarily do the same thing as Dustin Johnson does, or Jordan Spieth, or or Cindy Miller, or or anybody out there that's played on the tour. You don't necessarily have to do it exactly the same way, but you have to have something that's consistent. And the reason why um, I want to make one final point, and then I want to move on, is if you ever look at, for those of you listening today, uh, today, if you look at the professionals, you will always see them do this. If they ever get in a situation where they momentarily lose um, their momentum. They will stop what they're doing, and they will go back and repeat that process, that pre-shot routine. So you'll often see a player walking up maybe to a putt, and they get over it. They're not comfortable. For whatever reason, they're not comfortable in that shot. So they'll take a step back. Um, Many of them will go and place their club right back in the bag again, uh, depending on the circumstance, and they'll actually go through their entire routine again. And people are saying, why are they doing all that? It's because they're regrouping and they're mentally preparing themselves for the shot at hand and a a lot of amateurs just sort of as you said they try to scramble around and they don't really um, have any sort of game plan or they don't prepare themselves and that's why Mm -hmm. a a pre-shot shot routine is is also important another important uh, thing cindy i think particularly for some of the weaker or or, um less uh, uh you know players that just are not as as uh solid in their game is to play away from a big number. And what I mean by that is a lot of amateurs try to play too aggressively for their abilities. You need to know what your abilities are. And, Cindy, I want you to expand maybe a little bit on that as well. I mean, you've played in a lot of programs. You've seen players going out there, you know, maybe they're 180 yards from the green, and they're, you know, using a club that you know they're not going to reach there. Talk a little bit about that, playing away from uh, big numbers, how they can do that. Well, again, it's the reality of how good are you and what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses. And if you don't hit the ball far enough, you have to make sure that you play the hole 
to the best of your ability, meaning you don't want to try to fire at something and bury it in a bunker or hit it in the water. you got to play strategically. Most, most golfers don't break 100. So mm-hmm. we could teach you how to shoot 90 if you can hit the ball 150 yards and you're playing from the right tee markers. And, and people say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, then shoot a 1,000. You know, I don't care. So you're not going to change until the pain gets bad enough and you're willing to look in the mirror and do something about it. If you're willing right. to look in the mirror and do something about it, then you can definitely play to your strengths uh, and your ability. Um, you know, hitting it on the green in three and two-putting helps you make bogey. And if you bogey every hole, you shoot 90. And again, back to your comment about all these guys wanting to hit their drive. I got to hit my driver. I got to hit my driver straighter. Well, no, right. you really don't. Why don't you hit your four hybrids? Well, I yep. can't do that. Well, then fine, shoot a thousand. So until you yep. have the time <laughs> and are willing to invest the time and the money to work on your game to hit your driver straight, uh, you're being an idiot. So again, right. you only hit your driver 14 times in 18 holes. Mm-hmm. And nobody has, I don't think anybody's ever had 14 putts in 18 holes. So, yeah. So what should we work on more? Well, it's more fun to hit your driver. I understand that. But if you really want to make your score go down, we need to go practice putting. Right. And, And the way, you know, the way I look at it is this, you know, what's more important to you? Is it more important to have fun hitting the driver or is it more fun playing the game itself do you want to have more fun and enjoyment playing um and that doesn't mean that you just you know throw the, the driver away and you never work on it and that there's a time and an appropriate time and, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment um to work on things like that but you have to prioritize what you're going to do and, and i'm just going to read a few more of the points here because we're, we're moving pretty fast here on our time so i, I want to make sure that we're uh, um we don't get overboard here but um you know some other things that i always recommend is um, for those less skilled players, play with better players. Don't play with people that are worse than you. Always, I always say go up the food chain, if you will. Play with players that are not just a little bit better, but, you know, uh, and again, you have to be mindful. Obviously, you might have to pick up your ball along the way uh, if you're playing in, in a, just a fun round. But um, play with better players because you can learn a lot uh, from them, watching them, how they, how they handle themselves on the golf course, and you can learn some things. I don't necessarily mean emulate their swing, um, but you can – certainly pick up some, some good things from them as well. Um, another one as well, Cindy, is, is commit to the shot uh, and then do it. In other words, if you see the pros, once they make up their mind, that's the shot they're going to hit. They commit to it and they, they just go out and do it. They don't sit there and, you know, willy-nilly, well, I don't know if I should, and, and mull it over for the next 10 minutes. They get there, they commit to the shot, and they do it. Um, they also focus on one shot at a time. They're not thinking five holes ahead. They're thinking in the moment. And, Cindy, I know that you've done that as well. Um, Focusing shot by shot, not getting too far ahead of yourself because that just makes it uh, amplifies the anxiety of, that you're going to experience. Um, do you have a safety shot? That's right. Uh, well, and again, right? I got to tell you, remember the girls, all the three or four of the semester tour players that we've had on the show have said they play little three hole tournaments within their own mind so they don't right. get too far ahead. So that, you know, might be something that you do okay, I'm just going to do these three holes, and, and right now I've got to hit this shot right in front of me. So that might help yep. you focus on the task at hand a little better. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also um, develop a safety shot. Cindy, I don't know if you have a sort of a go-to shot 
um, when you're under pressure, not maybe, you know, Nicholas, obviously, um, you know, the fade was, was his uh, uh, best shot and he always knew he could count on that. And he had, you know, shots and I'm sure Tiger and many of the other players have a shot that they can go to um, if they're not hitting their driver. Well, maybe they're they're You know, Freddie couples used to um, use his three wood off the tee. Sometimes he would use um, even a five wood. I've seen him occasionally do that if he just wasn't hitting his driver that well, depending on the circumstances. So developing a safety shot is also important. And, um, you know, buying equipment that's suited to your game. You know, there's no point going out and spending you know, thousands of dollars on the best equipment out there. Uh, if you're playing once a month or twice, uh, you know, a year, you don't need it. Um, but having said that, you do need to make sure that you're fitted properly. We're going to talk a little bit about that when, when Peggy comes on to join us, but, uh, in, in more detail, but, um, you know, buying equipment that's suited to your game and making sure that you're fitted properly, um, because that makes a difference as well. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to go out there and, and just buy something off the rack and expect to, uh, to play well um have a game plan and then stick to it as cindy you talked about in the beginning there um developing a a game plan don't just go out there and say well i've got 18 holes to play and i'm just gonna you know whatever happens happens um come with a game plan in mind um how you're going to attack each of the holes work that out ahead of time and uh and and sort of mull that over and, and get that in that's part of the mental side um cindy do you develop uh maybe a couple swing thoughts uh and if so what are they when you're over the ball do you have a lot of things going through your mind or you try to simplify it and have maybe one or two thoughts uh, when you're getting ready to execute the shots? I'm trying to simplify. Um, again, you would need to know whether you're audio, visual, or kinesthetic. Mm-hmm. And depending on what you are, I happen to be visual and auditory. So this is kind of a weirdo thing, but I pretend I'm spiked to a pole to mm-hmm. keep myself still. And then right. I, I, I visualize and I'm spiked to a pole. I don't even look at the ball. I don't know what I'm looking at when I'm, my face is pointing down. I don't even focus on the ball at all. And then I just, uh, I think, swing, hinge, kill. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, that's, that's important as well to have, um, you know, one or two uh, simple swing thoughts uh, or one or two th- simple thoughts um, when you get over the ball, too many amateurs, Cindy, and I'm sure you know you've experienced this many, many times, and not only in the pro ams, but with some of your students that you're working with, they just get so many things. They're you know they're worried about you know they've got to get home and or they've got to pick something up at the store, you know, and they're not even focusing on what they're doing here. They're thinking about things outside of of the element they're in, and uh, they just get uh, you know they just get too many things, and and that again goes to not the, so much the physical game. But in the mental game, you've got to be able to clear your mind. You're there for a specific reason. You're there to play golf. You're there to take lessons, whatever the case happens to be. That's what you need to be focusing on, listening to the instructor, listening to the teacher, and then you know working on the things that the two of you have put together. And obviously, as you just pointed out, Cindy, visualizing the shot. You know, you've got to uh, visualize the shot at hand. Um, you know, get a mental picture. You know, is it uh, where do you want the ball to, to go in the fairway, or if you're approaching the green? Um, Where's the best target on that green that's going to give you the best opportunity to make uh, make your putts? And so there's a lot of things, a lot of factors that go into that. And then the last thing I wanted to, to point out, Cindy, of course, as we would both attest to, is take lessons. Um, golf is not an easy sport. Um, Cindy's been playing for many years. I've been playing for many years. I still struggle from time to time with my game, as as you do, Cindy. I know from time to time. 
And, you know, our, our outside activities sometimes take away, you know, lessons and things like that from us being able to go out and work on our own games many times. So we struggle when we get out to the golf course as well. It's not uncommon even for some of the best players to struggle. So if they're going to struggle, if we're going to struggle, there's no reason that you're not going to struggle. But let's make the process a little easier. Go to somebody, um, uh, you know, there's some great professionals all over the country that you can go to, uh, both PGA and LPGA and, and others, um, that have been specifically trained in putting to some of these things together. And Cindy, you know, you're a great example of that. You work well with your students and, and uh, you know, the youngsters that we had on there a few months ago that, that work with you, um, it was very apparent that they're paying attention to what you're telling them. And that's, uh, and that's extremely important. Let's just um, wrap it up here if we can, um, Cindy, but just talk about the importance of, of taking lessons. Well, I think you need to find somebody that you relate to. I would investigate now, you know, with the Internet and Google, you can search for who's in your area, uh, or you might be willing to travel to go take lessons mm-hmm. from somebody. When I was younger, I went, you know, to uh, I, I found Bob Toski and took lessons from him. Alan traveled from Pensacola, Florida to Ocean Reef to take lessons from Bob Toski. So, Find someone that you can relate to. Um, find someone that speaks your language. Find someone that you can get along with. But they're there to help you. And if they criticize you and tell you everything you're doing wrong, I would go find somebody else because nobody's trying to miss it on purpose. Find somebody that will help you figure out your faults and fix yourself. Uh, that's what I would do. Somebody that you yep. can relate to and knows what they're doing that can really, truly care about your game and help you. Yeah, you're, it's a relationship. It's like anything. It's you know, I, I equate um, you know working with a professional as as building a relationship. It's again, as you pointed out, you know, it's somebody that you trust, that you feel comfortable with, uh, and feel confident that they're well-rounded in in a, a variety of different things. Um, the one thing I would say that, and again, there, you know, each you know individual, you know, uh, each to their own, um, but. One, si- one swing does not fit all, and you know it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, swing. So um, just be mindful of specific, um, you know, approaches where it, they're, you know, trying to put you into a box. Um, that's something I, I, I try to guard against as well, and I explain to students whether they come to me or they want to go somewhere else. Is I don't I, I tailor my lessons around the individual. I don't try to put them in a box with everybody else and say, well, John over here swings like this, so I'm going to try and make your swing look like John's. Or Dustin Johnson hits the, the ball like this, and that's how I want you to do it. Um, we're all different. We're all unique. And I think it's important that we um, treat everybody as such. And I think most of the professionals, Cindy, that we have had on the show over the last uh, few years would agree with that. Uh, you know, in their conversations, we've yeah. heard them say that. The, you know, and, and I know you do as well as, as well as I do. So and one of the things cool. I would say is be very careful. If you happen to be an accountant or an engineer and you're very analytical, be very careful. Sometimes you can be a little bit too much, too analytical and too much of a perfectionist, yeah. and you might need a little more right brain instructor. So I, and then on the other hand, if you're absolutely, you know, willy-nilly, it doesn't matter, I don't think much, you might need an instructor that's going to bring you in a little bit and get you to focus a little more. So make sure that you pick the right person and head's right. It's all about relationships. 
Right, exactly. Let me just very quickly, I'm just going to read them off very quickly, just a, a quick recap for those of you out there that are listening. Um, just some of the things that we put together here in a good guide to playing better golf. Uh, do a warm-up before you even get to the golf course, and when you get there, warm-up again. Practice the important stuff. Um, very important to do that. Develop a solid pre-shot routine. Even a post-shot routine as well uh, is always good to have. Play away from those big numbers. For some of you weaker players out there that – um, that maybe don't uh, haven't mastered some of the areas that, that you need to. Um, be less aggressive. Don't play as aggressive as uh, maybe your playing partner. He or she may have had multiple lessons, may have been playing for uh, a great deal longer than you. So uh, do that. Work on some of the most uh, important shots in golf, being putting, chipping, and pitching. Um, as Cindy pointed out, you're only hitting the driver 14 times uh, in a round, so why do you want to spend the majority of your time doing that? Play with better players. Um, always good to... To, as I said, go up the food chain. Commit to the shot and then do it. Make your commitment. Decide what shot you need to hit and then just do it. Make that commitment. Regardless of what the result may be, that's a learning lesson for you as well. One shot at a time. Don't focus you know, five holes down. Focus on the shot that you're dealing with um, at that particular time. Develop a safety shot. Um, have a go-to shot in times of, of uh, high pressure or, or uh, difficulty on the golf course. Develop that safety shot. Make sure that you buy equipment suited for your game. Get fitted by uh, one of your local professionals. Make sure that you go to somebody that's experienced in club fitting and get them to set you up. Um, have a game plan and then stick to it. Um, develop a game plan, as Cindy always talks about, and then stick to it. Develop maybe a couple of swing thoughts. Um, decide what they're going to do, and that's something you can work with with your, your instructor. Visualize the shots um, that you're going to make at the particular time. Again, don't think you know two or three holes down. Visualize the shot that you have at hand, and then obviously take some lessons. Seek out uh, uh, your local uh, teacher professional and interview them. Go and talk to them. Sit down with them. Spend a few moments with them. Get to learn them. See how your person is. Do you click? Do you um, kind of rub each other the wrong way? And if that's the case, then you go somewhere else. And those are some good points. That's certainly not all of them but that's a good starting block uh, to playing better golf. Having said that, Cindy, uh, we got, yeah, we got to move on. Uh, Peggy Gustafson is, is ready to join us. So let me just read a few things about her and then we're going to bring her on the show here. Uh, Peggy Gustafson, of course, is a class A LPJ teaching and club professional uh, member. She's uh, been playing and teaching this golf for over 34 years. She's got a lot of experience in 2010, 2011 golf digest uh, ranked her as one of the top 50 women teachers in America in 1998 and 2008, uh, she was the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Central Section Teacher of the Year, uh, Golf Tech Teacher of the Year in 2008. Uh, Golf for Women magazine ranked her as, one, again, one of the top 50 teachers, uh, LPGA Top 50 Best Teachers, and 2013, the LPGA uh, Marilyn Smith Service uh, Award. She uh, received that, of course, just some of the honors that she's had. She's an accomplished club fitter. Uh, for Ping, Mizuno, Callaway, TaylorMade, Adams Golf, and Score Golf. And uh, she has played uh, many, many rounds of golf as eight career holes in one. That's a, a feat in itself. And uh, she is up in the uh, Alaska area, so we're going to talk to her a little bit about golf in Alaska. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Peggy Gustafson. Good morning, my friend. <laughs> good morning. How Thanks are you? I'm good. <laughs> The sun's coming up. Uh, at five thirty. Isn't the sun up all the time? Not in Anchorage. We get uh, the high point of our season. We average uh, like twenty-one and a half hours. Wow! So it gets dusky a little bit. 
Mm. Wow. Mm. Cindy, go ahead. So tell us how you got to Alaska. I know you've been going there for a few years. I'm so intrigued. Tell us about it. Well, I got invited to come up in the summer of 2010 um, to do a week's worth of clinics with the Anchorage Women's Golf Association. And the lady that brought me up said, um, you know, you should spend some time while you're up here, stay a couple uh, extra days. And my thought was everybody lived in like a log cabin and had an outhouse and lived out in the bush. (laughs) So I said, you know, I've seen a lot of pretty country traveling, so uh, I'll take a day off. And I got up here, and this place will just blow you away. So I came back two and a half, uh, or in September, and spent two and a half weeks here seeing the the beautiful land and um, um, doing some fishing and uh, doing a lot of hiking. And I um, went to and sat down with the owners of the Anchorage Golf Course and said, will you please give me a chance? Uh, Here's what I can do. So six years later, we're going strong. Um, I'm here from May to the 1st of October, and I head back down to Arizona, and it's just it's been a perfect fit. It's one of those deals, if, if you'd have known about it 30 years ago, I'd have been here. Wow. So if, you, if you haven't came up to see the state or golf in Alaska, I'd encourage everybody to, to do it. Fantastic. That's Peggy, awesome. Peggy, this- Peggy, this is Ted. Let me just ask you a quick question because, uh, again, um, you know, people might be not familiar with the area. I mean, obviously, we've all heard of Alaska, but um, many people have not uh, visited. And, and as you've just eloquently pointed out, there's some great scenery there and that. Um, is there a difference in playing golf in Alaska than maybe some, for example, you know, if you're playing uh, out in the desert and that, the heat can affect ball flight and so forth. And obviously, if you're playing up in the mountains, things like that. Um, is there a difference? Is there a noticeable difference in playing in Alaska? Does does the climate or conditions there um, change things slightly than maybe somebody that's playing um, in Florida or Arizona or some of the other areas? Well, yeah. So what our um, our high today will be about sixty. Um, but in the summer we'll hit seventy five, maybe eighty, and it'll it'll play 10 degrees warmer than where it, where it reads. We've just uh, start off this month. We've already had two inches of rain. So the course is playing soft. I'd say that the big difference is early season and late season, we come in on temporary greens. And then when we put the course to bed for the winter, we tarp them. So your last three weeks and your first three or first probably five to six weeks until the greens get established, um, you're not on real greens. In June, as the grass grows in, we have it's a combination of um, bent grass with poe in it that um, when they first come in, they're a little long. So our, you know, yeah. uh, people coming from the lower 48 come up and, and our stem readings run, run in about six or seven. You just feel like you can't get the ball to the hole. This time of year through September, the greens are really in, so we get them rolling. Uh, they're probably averaging about 9 to 10, and if they roll the greens and double-cut them, then we can get them up to really good speed 
um, what mm. makes the, the course unique, um, Anchorage Golf Course unique, we're um, near the Chugach Mountain Range. And so our course, topographically, if you flew over it, it slopes from the from the mountains down to the inlet, and then from where we are, we set up above downtown. So you've got to be cognizant of where the mountains are because everything's going to be faster towards the inlet because it's where water would run off to, and everything's going to be faster to downtown. So it's like having two different slopes you have to, to manage, and it affects the roll of the ball. Uh, we've got a lot of undulations on the golf course. It was uh, built through a forest, um, so it's it's beautiful. The course plays different every day, just because the uniqueness to the the role of the the land. Hmm. Now, something too I noticed here in, in some of the notes that you sent over to Cindy, um, Peggy. Uh, and you alluded to in the beginning about, uh, you know, in, in this particular time of year, you know, the, the days are, are very, very long. Um, your se- season is a little bit shorter. Um, but your tea times are from 5 o'clock to 9 p.m., or actually almost 10 p.m. Um, so you get a lot of golf. You get a lot of rounds of golf in a year, don't you? Yeah, we get 30. Uh, we're we're going to average 32,000 um, this year. It, it's all um, depending on the weather like we opened up earlier than normal we opened up mid april this year well sometimes there's still snow on the ground um and then we'll, we normally close end of october um into the first of november again just depending on on the weather uh when i got to the course this morning it was kind of cold because the guy's on 18 and it's still dusky. He's got a headlight on or a, like a running line on the top of his head. He's out there cutting the holes. Um, we do a lot of our maintenance and our mowing uh, between 2 and 5 in the morning before uh, plays out. So like this week, I had to move. My short game boot camps normally run from 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock, and it's starting to get dark earlier, so we'll, we'll move them to 7 to 10. A.M. or P.M.? P.M. Uh, P.M. So that, oh, that's wow. what I like about uh, being a golf professional up here is I get to do a lot of on-course play opportunities that I don't have that ability to do uh, when I'm in Arizona. So Monday nights I'll take a, a group of three or four out and we'll do a on-course playing lesson from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And there's, you know, still plenty of daylight. The short game boot camps cover two nights. So you get six hours of instruction, but um, four of it's on technique. And then each night, that last hour, we go out on the course and you're able to play practice on the big green complexes. So it it makes it more real and um, people tend to grasp it and, and learn things faster. Absolutely, absolutely. How many members do you have? Well, there's there's no clubs in um, Alaska. Um, this my golf course is open to the public. It's the number one course in Alaska, um, and it's it's weird. We're a huge state, but I I don't know. There's like 25 golf courses statewide. So mm. um, Anchorage has 350,000 people, and we have five courses. 
we had six, but the military um, shut one down, which was too bad because it was a really nice layout, real very walkable near downtown. Uh, that's hmm. awesome. What do you like best about it? You know, I like the people. Um, I grew up in South Texas, and I think South Texas people are very open and very friendly and bringing you in. And I, I since sat up here, I like that um, uh, people get life. I mean, they the, in summer they they know winter's coming. Um, they don't waste. Like if if you hunt or fish, um, you may do it for the sport of it, but if you kill something, um, it's not to to throw a pretty head up on the on your your wall. I mean, you're going to process the meat, you're going to eat it. They um, they raise a lot of their vegetables. Um, they can things. They just they're into recycling. I mean, it it just seems like it's. Um, a more holistic environment. Um, so it's it's just a special place. It yeah, it sounds. Like it. Yeah, it sounds, Peggy. Like obviously, again, because you you have limited uh, seasons and and things much more differently than you do in, in other areas of the United States and, and and abroad. That you're right. They have to make better use of their time. So they've they've adapted a more progressive. Um, view of things, and um, it, it sounds that way in, in everything. Um, obviously, because you do have a, a long day and, and um, have opportunities to play uh, as you do with your boot camps, you've got you know later in the evening on a couple of evenings. That um, how do you predict if you were to sort of map out your day um, as far as from teaching? How do you sort of do that? Because you're, I, I don't assume you're not there for the whole. Uh, 20 hours or so uh, in a day, or do you try to get as much time in as you? How do you map yourself out day to day? You know, there, it's not uncommon from the middle of June to uh, the end of July for me to have a nine to 15 hour day. So my my joke is, I teach 15 months a year because what I'll come up and do in four or five months would the equivalent to a good six months down below. Um, So it just, it it depends. I mean, I brought in, um, I brought in some 3D swing technology this year, um, an outfit out of Scottsdale called My Swing. So it's basically 18 sensors you put on your body that bring, make you become a little avatar. So when I do those lessons are 90 minutes, um, in length. So there's a lot of days that I do two or three of those. Uh, four out of seven of my days, I have some sort of a clinic or boot camp going on throughout the day. And then I have um, the individual lesson. So, uh, you know, if, if the sun's shining and people are calling, you're, you're there. So you've just really got to be on point. You've got to pace yourself. But um, there's... <laughs> There's days that you come home and you just literally just fall into bed, um, but but it's great. I mean, I you know for those of us that like you guys that love to teach, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not about an eight hour day, um, right? And then again, it'll. Uh, yesterday I only talked two, then the rain hit, so then you go home and you 
you know, you work on, on marketing projects or video projects, and there's always something to do. Right. Do we have many juniors up there? Do we have juniors? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at my course, we have a really um, big junior program. Um, there's three of us that teach. So uh, Blake Smith and Sam Bomar both run big junior programs. Um, Blake does a PGA junior program, and um, he's involved with the first tee. Um, I do a little bit with with juniors, but um, working with with the little kids is an art that I don't really have. They're better at it. Um, So I work with some of the better junior um, players in the state. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, like yesterday, we probably had, throughout the morning, we probably had 50 kids on on property in some sort of a, uh, a clinic. So we've got a very active junior program. Wow. Wow, that's, that's awesome. fantastic. Uh, let me ask yeah. you, uh, Peggy, we, uh, in our earlier segment sitting there, we're talking about uh, some things in, in uh, what we call the a good guide to, to playing better golf. And I don't know if you were able to pick up any of that or not. But one of the things I, I, I touched upon, and I wanted to ask you because I know that you're experienced in club fitting. Um, tell us a little bit about, and for the listeners, um, the importance of, of uh, club fitting, about being properly fit and buying the, the equipment that best suits your game. Because a lot of people out there just sort of willy-nilly go out and you know, buy a set of golf clubs and don't really put any effort into making sure they're buying the best equipment that's going to suit their game. And because you, you uh, handle that aspect as well as the teaching, maybe you could touch a little bit on that. Yeah, club fitting is huge. I mean, I tell everybody, um, one shoe doesn't fit everybody. I mean, we're all built differently. We have our own unique characteristics. Um, uh, for women, when I talk to a, a group of women, I'll have everybody stand up, look around the room, and just say, okay, who's the average woman in here? I mean, if we all went and bought the same dress, a few of us, it may fit, but others, <laughs> some of us can't get right. it on, and others, it's going to look like a big sack. So even for a new golfer, it's important that you are fit with the the right length, mm-hmm. the right swing weight. I mean, as a new golfer, your line angle may may change. So we have um, four or five fitting carts on on site um, and an Ernest Sports launch monitor, but it's huge. I mean, most people um, tend to play a a shaft that's too stiff for them, so you've got to work harder to to swing the club. I mean, we want to find something that matches you in, in your your movement, and um, you know, there's there's clubs available out there that you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for. Um, right. I hate the. Or I, it it displeases me if I have a student that just went online and bought something without consulting you, because um, most of the time they get something that yeah maybe they bought a, a great brand name but uh, again if if I wear a size nine and a half shoe and I got this great sell on a pair of shoes at seven and a half, it's not gonna work <laughs> right um, so uh with women, you know a lot of these drivers nowadays are so long um, 
when when Hogan and Nicholas and all the greats played, when I grew up playing, we had a 43-inch driver was a men's standard length. That's a men's right. three-wood now, and it's longer than the average ladies' driver. So I've sold a lot of drivers this year that we custom-ordered for women that were back to being 42, 42 and a half inches. Now they can hit it solid. You get it with the right length. And they, um, you know, they're hitting the ball further, and they're and they're having more fun. Uh, so, you know, everything from your putt in your bag to your driver to even the ball you play is important. Um, in the glove, making sure that if you wear gloves, <laughs> the glove fits. Yep. It's huge. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of components, and, and you're right. I think a lot of, and, and I'm gonna bail out here and say that particularly the men are, are some of the biggest culprits. Uh, I think the ladies are a little bit more. Um, and again, I think because many of them are, are newer to golf, so they're a little bit more receptive to, to hearing, but a lot of the, the men I know go out there and the, they'll get online or they'll go into a store and they'll, they're focusing on the driver. They want to buy the, you know, the latest, greatest driver, whether Callaway, Titleist or, or, or TaylorMade or what have you. Um, without really being properly fit and finding out if that's the best club for them. And then the rest of the clubs, it's just like, well, I'll get this set over here or I'll just get that. They don't spend any time really going through the, the whole bag and, and making sure that the clubs that they've got in there are best suited for their game. And you're exactly right. It's, it's hugely important. And it can make a big difference uh, if they're playing, as you said, too stiff of a shaft um, for the level of player that they are. Uh, it, it can make a world difference just playing the right shaft. And um, that's that's where, you know, you're – sorry, go ahead. Well, when I do a fit, I make sure they don't know what shaft's in there. You know, we're just going through and, and finding because there there's times that um, the ego gets in the way. You hand them a club and they're just pounding it. Well, I don't hit them as well. I don't hit them regular. Well, actually you do. <laughs> yeah, it's your call. I mean, and, and you know, and that's why working with a launch monitor um, is good, or something that gives you the feedback, so that you can just go and say, "Look, look at this. Your pattern's better. You're hitting it twelve yards further." I mean, you make the decision. Yeah. Well, and it, and ladies, it goes back to you know. Do you want to have fun hitting the driver? Is that the purpose that you're out there playing? If that if that's the case, then don't bother buying a set. Don't you know? Just go out to the driving range and you know hit ball after ball if that's what you want to do. If that's your idea of fun. But if you want to get out and enjoy the game uh, in its entirety, then you've got to be realistic in in your abilities. Number one, but also make sure that you're you're fitted properly um, so that you can get enjoyment through the entire round of golf. And you know we've all seen this where you know, people go out to the practice tee and they pull out the driver and they work on that. And then they might go to the putting green and spend maybe a minute and a half um, before they're running mm-hmm. out to the round. And then they're wondering why they, you know, couldn't break a hundred. Yeah. Right? And they, uh, yeah. And I think, um, you know, you, you find a lot of people, they don't want to work on the short game. You know, they just want to work no. on the long game because they think the short game's easy, which the short game is it's, its own game within itself. So, you know, my joke, both here in in Anchorage and also in Phoenix, I do a lot of short game work because I want to trick you into working on your big swing. A lot of times working on your short game, especially with 
pitch shots with the little half speed shots, three quarter swing uh, speed shots. So you really learn impact. Um, so your short game gets better, and all of a sudden, like well, my long game's better too. Yeah, exactly. Well, and Cindy pointed out earlier in the program, you know, it, it's better to take maybe a half or even a three quarter swing uh, and get the ball, you know, even if it only goes 150 yards, um, you know, in a good place in the fairway than trying to just muscle it and ending up in the woods or the water or somewhere else and then limiting your, your opportunities. And it's really about creating opportunities, Um you know, if you look at the best players in the world, it wasn't, you know, it's not so much about how far they can hit, even though we hear about the stats all the time, it was about creating opportunities to give them that that best opportunity to score better. And that's really what you want if you want to enjoy the game. And, um, you know, if you're going to go and and take lessons, then you need to pay attention to the person giving you the lessons. And, uh, you know, if they're doing their job properly, they're not focusing on necessarily how far you can hit the ball. It's, how many opportunities they're able to help you create um, through developing sound fundamentals and a good strategy for playing and navigating around the golf course. Um, Peggy, we've we've got to wrap things up. I want to give you an opportunity to let the folks know that are tuning in uh, that if they want to reach out to you, first off, uh, how can they learn more about the Anchorage Golf Course? Where can they go as their website? And uh, how can they get in touch with you? So it's it's anchoragegolfcourse.com. And my website is PeggyGolf.com, um, so you can you can find me at e- either place. I'm again, I get to spend five months here, and then first um, of October I'll head back down to to Phoenix. So I I get the best of all worlds, um, and I I enjoyed being on. It was it was nice to chat with you and Cindy, and Cindy will be seeing. Seeing each other, I'm sure, soon down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We're so grateful to have you on. We really appreciate it, Peggy. Yeah, and for those of you that, yeah, for those of you that uh, maybe you're planning a a little different trip uh, in the future, you might want to consider going up, especially if you're a golfer, you might want to consider up uh, going up and visiting Peggy at the Anchorage Golf Course. Um, Peggy, thank you very much again for, for spending time with Cindy and I this morning. And uh, we look forward to uh, many, many more great years of, of teaching and coaching uh, at your facility. And we would love to have you come back on again in the future. Cool. I look forward to it. Thank thanks, you. Hi. All right. Have a great day. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guest, uh, Peggy Gustafson, uh, from the Anchorage Golf Course up in Alaska. Um, I, I got to admit, I, I learned some, something new. I didn't. I mean, obviously, I knew that they probably had some golf courses, but I didn't realize to the caliber and the level that they did. Uh, so I learned something new. And, and um, again, for those of you tuning in, uh, check it out. Go to AnchorageGolfCourse.com. Uh, and also PeggyGolf.com if you want to learn more about Peggy uh, Gustafson. We want to thank, uh, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, we want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in this morning. And uh, we look forward to to helping you uh, develop a better uh, quality of, of golf life, if you will. And, and we're here. that's what we're here to do for. So we'll hope you join us next Tuesday here on the Women of Golf Show. Uh, Cindy, thank you. Have a great week. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Thank you. You too, Ted. Have a great All day. Right, bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 